right, welcome to Growing Together, a podcast of Central Presbyterian Church. This podcast is about learning to grow together as a family united to Jesus. So, in many ways, this podcast is not unlike being at a family dinner table, around a fire, or any other places families gather. So, welcome. Take a seat, and let's get going. Uh, well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Growing Together. Uh, we're excited to explore what makes Central Central. I'm Cole Escher, uh, pastor of college and young adults, and with me is Matt Woodson, assistant director of student ministries. Hello there. Hi, Matt. With us as well is Pam Smith, who's in our communications department. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. And joining us is possibly the best person I know, uh, Cole Lesher, college and young adult pastor. So it's Great. it's uh, it's me. I get to talk. Some. We're so lucky we could get you to come in for this episode. I know. I am just so highly sought after <laughs> that it's just so difficult to get places. Cole, you're also the best person that I know. Oh, <sighs> Matt, oh, I just wasn't going to cry today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good to be with you. I, I feel like this was a uh, an arm twisting moment i did not necessarily want to do this but you know i also want people to know me so i guess yeah well i mean i think you know the whole first season has really been about kind of getting under the skin of central and hearing about the different ministries how they interact and interface with our mission and vision and college and young adults is a big part of that so it wouldn't be complete without you no, millennial population, Gen Z, is a slightly large uh, part of our country and world these days. So it is uh, important for us to do some of that work. But yeah. yeah. Fun fact, we are all eating avocado toast while eating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I got an email today of one place is doing peach and goat cheese toast. That sounds pretty good. I no, actually that, sounds, have that sounds awful. I'm, I'm on the fence about that. Yeah. I've actually never had avocado toast. I just mm. don't really. Toast is okay. I finally broke down and made it myself, like just a couple months ago, and I was like, "I mean, that's fine, I guess." Yes. Yeah. Oh man, no, no, no. Avocados, I can't do. It's the, the both one texture. Texture is rough for me. I don't mm -hmm. enjoy it, and it also is the color. It's just too. Oh. It's too. Uh, how do you say it without it's mucusy? If anyone isn't aware, avocado toast is like mucus toast. It's. <laughs> It's a type of food that millennials really like, and it's overpriced. Like it's, it's overpriced. very overpriced. It tastes okay, but it just kind of sums up the millennial experience <laughs> in a lot of ways. I feel like you have to do so much to it though to actually make it something. It's like oh, yeah. you either you have to add seasonings, you need to add like egg or something. It's just like, like I said, it sums up the millennial experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the the moral of the story is us millennials are extra. We are just that. We are extra. Yes. So indeed. All about us. Hand me a trophy yeah. right now. <laughs> I like trophies. Ah, <laughs> uh, so cool. We get to actually turn around and ask you the questions. Dum-dum-dum. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you wound up here in St. Louis. So I always think about Clay's response to this was, I was born at a very young age. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always classic. But yeah, I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. born and raised. I was there for 19 years. I uh, was raised by two moms. 
I didn't have a father. I didn't grow up with a dad. So that was as a pretty significant part of my story and, and kind of navigating that. And now being a father of two crazy, wonderful, beautiful <laughs> little kids, it's kind of this really cool, redemptive piece of my story. It's also incredibly terrifying as well. Uh, a lot of prayer <laughs> and reliance <laughs> on the Lord. Uh, I think but, every parent experiences that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, so I was from Knoxville. My mom had me pretty young. It was kind of a, a surprise uh, to some extent. And I grew up at first kind of in a, in a kind of lower middle class kind of Knoxville and then eventually moved out west, which is more middle-ish class, and, but a lot of country, you know, not super diverse areas. I guess maybe this encapsulates my high school experience. Uh, I would wake up early and go fishing and be late to school if fishing was good. <laughs> so that was my life. I mean, that's uh, kind of epic. But I mean, yeah. my, my uh, teachers had my cell phone number and would call me and be like, Cole, I know it's overcast today, and I know they're biting probably pretty well, but you got to test. <laughs> like, you got to test. Like, you have to graduate. Oh. So that was definitely my senior year, but uh, it was part of a lot of my schooling. But I, I played football in high school. I loved it. Uh, it was good anger management for a, a young child. <laughs> um, but I grew up playing basketball. I love basketball with all my heart. It's uh, one of my favorite sports. And so a uh, pretty active kid, just did you know, all sorts of things. My family was great. They kind of let me experience a ton of different types of sports, a ton of different type of things. Um, the church, however, was not a part of our story for various reasons. It was kind of the boogeyman in many ways in our family. And so when I became a Christian, that was very confusing to some extent, especially in the sense of where I inhabit that part of Christianity as well. But I came to faith in high school. My youth pastor, who actually, uh, shameless plug, he's episode like four on my podcast, uh, Everyday Hospitality, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> but my youth pastor was a coach on the football team. He was a wide receiver coach. He was not my coach. I was a lineman. I was a slightly larger than the average wide receiver. And so, <laughs> yeah, invited me to church. And I was like, eh, man, I don't know about this. We'll see. And eventually invited me to a beach camp. And I was like, well, a beach and yeah, yeah. free trip and people are paying for it. I think this is great. And my mom, I think wisely to some extent, wouldn't let me go because it was, I don't know these people. Why am I going to let you go on this trip? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to you. And so a friend comes back from that trip, though on fire for Jesus, you know, the typical going to a conference or whatever. And he's just telling me about Jesus nonstop. And I'm just like, dude, all right, cool. Invites me to church. I go that night mainly because there was food <laughs> and girls. That was the thing. And heard the gospel for the first time. And it was utterly perplexing. <laughs> and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I couldn't stop uh, being both incredibly burdened by it, but also incredibly scared and incredibly angry. Um, yeah. I mean, it was all the feelings, all the emotions of it. I just couldn't, the weight of not being able to save myself or my family or anything and, and having to rely on this God uh, in many ways, back to the daddy issues to some extent is the, is back to saying, you know, a God, the father, and my representation of that is just not real hot at that point. Yeah. And so it was a lot to process. But um, one of the coolest parts of my story, and actually what eventually led me into ministry, was 
the way in which this youth pastor and, and others have just walked with me. They didn't pretend to be better than me. I mean, in many ways, they knew way more than me in a whole host of different ways. But, like, they didn't pretend that they were better. They didn't pretend that they were smarter or whatever. They just, like, walked with me. They were patient with me. They were, oh, man, if I have an ounce of patience that they showed me during my probably hostile questions on a regular basis, <laughs> I would be uh, a really good pastor. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I came to faith in high school. It was, I guess, early 2000s. So it was... It was an interesting time, you know, evangelicalism has its ebb and flows and its CCM and fun times of music and, and all of that. <laughs> I, uh, I felt a call to ministry pretty early, about 17. I was like, I think I want to do ministry. But I also was really bad at school for uh, some different reasons, some cognitively and then some uh, lazily uh, is probably a good word. But yeah, so I didn't know if I was going to go to college. I was like, I don't want to go to college, so maybe I'll go on the mission field, and that's what I thought I was going to do, and then that didn't work out, and I was like, all right, what am I going to do? Work construction for a little bit, realized I didn't want to work construction, I was going to go to college, <laughs> and yeah, so I went to college, and that took a long time, uh, it was like almost like six and a half years I was in college, mm -hmm. I worked full-time in college, so 50 hours a week or so, yeah. especially for the first three or four years of it. I've held many a job <laughs> in my day. One of the longest jobs I've had was I, was I worked at Texas Roadhouse for, I mean, close to 10 to 12 years yeah. in all. If you come back to the second tour that I made later in college, I did everything from wash dishes to I was an apprentice butcher there, a meat cutter. And so I cut the meat, grilled the meat, all the fun stuff. So I know lots of random anecdotes about all that life. Well, that's probably where you get a lot of your great cooking skills. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I do love to cook. And this is a whole other story, too, of the interesting part about ministry. And, I, you know, I'm rambling to some extent, but I feel like you find yourself doing ministry where you are mm -hmm. far more than you think you do if yeah. you just open your eyes to what God is doing. And, like, a lot of my time in college was me sitting in a meat locker or standing in a meat locker cutting, you know, four or 500 pounds of meat, right, pounds of ribeye and sirloin and all this stuff and having a coworker sit in there and basically use this below 30 degree meat locker as a counseling session <laughs> coming in and talking to me about how they relate to their daughter or how do they relate to their son how do they you know tell me about this or tell me more about why you go to church or all these things and I found myself doing that more and more and, and more and more foundationally going I think ministry is what I want to do I mean, I could do ministry anywhere, clearly, right. yes. but I think this is something that I'm called to. In all of that roundabout story, <laughs> I was going to go to seminary. Originally, I was in the Baptist tradition. Uh, I was going to go to the Baptist seminary, and some things happened in the Baptist world at the time that I was not uh, real keen on and said, I got to go somewhere else. In comes the youth pastor again, who actually did a THM at Covenant randomly. I don't even know how he got here, but he did it, right? Uh, I had visited before, and I came and visited again and sat under a professor named Jerem Bars, which some of the listeners might know. He is by far like the sweetest, gentlest British man you've ever known. Uh, not anything like Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. Um, he's like the exact opposite of Roy Kent. Um, now you put that image in my mind. You're, yeah, you're welcome, first of all. Uh, so I sat under that and I looked over at Kirk while we were visiting, because so we were engaged at the time. And I just looked at her and I said, so how do you feel about St. Louis? 
because uh, I want to sit under this man. And that's what I did. Uh, my wife and I met in college. Kirk, shout out. <laughs> yeah, we met in college. We dated all four years, aside from a little pause moment in the summer, which that's a story to tell another time. But part of the campus ministry there, another story, once again, of, of a pastor just kind of walking with me and talking with me and being patient with me and training me and loving me and caring for me. Oh, man, I can't tell you ministry-wise how important that is. If you don't have people in your life walking with you and kind of embodying the faith in front of you, you're doing it wrong. Like, you're not there yet. Like, you need people. We need each other, and we need people like that. And for me, that part of my story was just, like, fundamental. Mm. And, yeah, all of these guys were just really amazing mm. for me. Yeah, came to seminary. First year of seminary, I uh, – this is really long. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. I this feel like is I need what a... we want. We want people to yeah. feel like they sat down at a table and had coffee with you and got to hear your story. Yeah, so. yeah. instead of having a coffee and me talking the whole time. But um, <laughs> anyways, so I came to St. Louis. Uh, first year I was here, I actually worked at Westminster. Hi. Before Westminster actually opened, I was one of the first janitors yeah. to come in and, and do stuff with a, with a cleaning company. So I cleaned floors. I was really bad at it. I'm not a detail-oriented guy, as probably everyone <laughs> who ever knows me knows that. Just not a huge, like, I'm much more big-picture vision guy. And so that didn't last super long. I ended up transitioning to go work at the seminary, and I was cleaning toilets, which was a great humbling experience before ministry it is yeah i think one of our professors at one point said that everyone in ministry should clean toilets at one point in their life yep apparently i took that to heart and did did that Uh, and then in that i met a guy by the name of jeremy Blythe, randomly which is a whole different story that's really funny how that kind of came about and he said hey would you be interested he had just taken the student director job here at Central and said, hey, would you be interested in coming and working? And so I said no twice, <laughs> I think. I said twice no. And then it just seemed like it was a good idea. It was half support raised, Oof. which uh, if you know anything about me, once you get details, uh, details also support raising was not super great. So <laughs> functionally, I worked for half of <laughs> a salary for a while because <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> raise any money. But mm. But yeah, that's how I got here. I got hired as the middle school intern. That's how it started. Wow. That was in 2012. Okay. That was summer of 2012. So I've been here a little minute. Coming up on 10 years. Coming up on 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's functionally how we got to St. Louis in many ways. Uh, It was not a place that we originally thought we would be in, but we've we've grown to love it, the whole family. I also have two sons named Jude (laughs) and Owen, who are six and three, who just... I can't believe they're that old already. I know. It's... I, I can't either, actually. Well, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, and Owen is like, just to watch the personalities of these kids grow up, oh, gosh, it's been a, a delight, and that's also why I have no hair. So <laughs> so what about St. Louis do you actually like? That's a good question. Yeah, not emos. So let's just set the record straight. <laughs> All right, well, that's Hot been that for the podcast. Emos <laughs> is the worst. Thank you for uh, joining us. Yeah. <laughs> I have offended a, a significant subsection of our population. Best pizza in town, Blackthorn. You're not wrong with exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Second best pizza in town, 
Motor City, Detroit style pizza. So not anything St. Louis apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> where's that? That's uh, over by Rebel Kitchen. It's, okay. It's over there Pretty by. Uh, yeah, it's right down the road. Not right next to Miley. Anywho, I love pizza. I can't really eat it like I used to, but I do uh, love it indeed. What was the question you asked? What do you like about St. Louis? Yeah, and you immediately yeah, went yeah. to food. And I immediately went to food. <laughs> the uh, food you don't like. <laughs> yeah, the food yeah, I don't right. like. You know, I was thinking about this question earlier because I assumed it would be asked. The easy answer to that, I love the free stuff. I love the kind of atmosphere to be able to just to, to go outside and to do things. The zoo is amazing. I worked at a zoo in college, which is also a fun fact. Um, <laughs> and this one is like 4,000 times bigger and better and less sketch. And so, like, it's amazing to be able to go there for free and just walk yeah. around. And my kids love it, and I really enjoy it in the museums. And I mean, there's just so much to do. But I tell you, if I were to really think like a, a little bit more under the under the surface, a little bit is the history of St. Louis is just fascinating to me. The warts of it and the beauty of it, it both gives me some lament factors about how life has gone on in St. Louis, but then also this kind of weird optimistic hope that it's not always going to be that way. Mm -hmm, and so we yeah. get to see the hardships that exist in our history. And I'll even say our, like, I feel like a part of the city, right? Like, I feel like this is our home, right? Like, and so there's a lot to do, yes. but it's a lot of good work to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so I love the architecture, just the history of, it's just so much, it's just unique. It has its own kind of unique flavor. And being a Southerner, it was a good transition to the Midwest <laughs> because it wasn't like a, out of nowhere, like, what in the world is this place? Oh, so. You're not too far afield. Yeah. yeah. It's actually interesting that you say that, specifically that you talked about the history, because, you know, St. Louis is kind of this convergence between, you know, north and south, east mm -hmm. and west. It's all about, like, this quite literally building bridges, you know, between the Mississippi and Missouri and whatnot. And I think that kind of makes sense for you, because you, I know this is a cheesy metaphor, but, like, you're actually one of the best bridge builders I've ever met. Like, you yeah. know how to encounter a lot of different types of people and immediately kind of know their context and care for them in the midst of that. And then, you know, the bridge being Jesus, like showing them that. You show that in a really nuanced but yet powerful way. Hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. We like you is what we're saying. Oh, we, th good. we think you're awesome. Oh, shucks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the ability to work with people who are different than you is immense here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, just the population, whether it's, you know, African-American conversations or surrounding African-American life and how we can build bridges to care and, and to love and kind of like what we're doing with Friendly Temple in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I've created a really great friendship with Mike Jones at Friendly and it's just been incredible. Uh, but with like a large immigrant population and we have refugee yeah. population. We have, I mean, there's just so much beauty and tapestry that is to be had here and so many opportunities for bridge building and peacemaking which is mm -hmm. difficult it's, it's difficult work i was thinking about this the other day in regards to bridge building that it's in order to do that well you kind of had to have this <laughs> this weird understanding that you needed a bridge built for you mm. yeah and there was a divide for you and i don't mean 
the old school like crew or intervarsity kind of like right, yeah. build you know draw a cross and the bridge <laughs> is Jesus which is true it's a great <laughs> metaphor for a lot of people and conversation starter but just the fact that when we know the things that divide even our own selves and our own communities and stuff that it's good to come from a foundation that someone came for me that someone has built bridges for me and obviously the the easiest most beautiful example of that is Jesus right like we see that but it, you know, it could also be someone in your family. It could be someone in your mm-hmm. church. It could be a neighbor. We just, uh, we all we got is what uh, propaganda would say. So uh, <laughs> we should uh, take care of one another that we have. So, yeah. well, so starting out as the middle school intern, <laughs> all the way to becoming ordained pastor, mm. what has that been like to navigate? Because you've had a variety of roles here over the years. Yeah, that's. That middle That's quite school a trajectory. Yeah, the middle school internship did not last soups long. Let you know that um, the kids aren't saying that anymore. No, they're not saying soups. I like soups, but it was a year. Uh, there's kind of been this really cool sovereign play out of my time here. I've had this really awesome opportunity to walk and to grow with the kids that I've been working with. And what I mean by that is, so I started doing middle school ministry. I did that mm-hmm. for a year, moved into high school ministry. Those eighth graders that year in middle school moved up to high school. So I got to hang out with them for yeah. the trajectory of their entirety of their high school experience. And then yeah. I moved to college ministry where I had them in college. <laughs> and now I have them in their emerging adulthood or their young adulthood or, or whatever. And like, I think that's where I'll stop, but like, and then um, they're 85. (laughs) They need to know how to walk on their own at some point, but uh, no. But it's been beautiful to go from student to peer. Yes, has been one of the coolest journeys that I've gotten to to walk with some of these guys. Like, I have a growth group of dudes who I've walked with since they were in high school. Maybe some of them in middle school and. Man, there's something to be said about that. That's just really great. And I think, you know, they sometimes don't know how enriching it is just for me to be able to have that kind of life and, and to be able to watch. Like, I think youth pastor and college, like, I really think my job has been some of the coolest ways in which to see transformation yeah. because I, you know, we've got kids in ministry now. We've got kids, you know, doing incredible work in engineering. Then we got kids doing incredible teaching work like we just I'm watching them grow up and grow up in the Lord like it's it's just great and so all of the fears that exist which aren't bad I mean they exist like what about the next generation what about this and there's a lot to work to be done there's no there's no (laughs) doubt about that um but I've actually seen a lot of the beauty the fact that our kids are doing that like they are who they are watching them grow and learn and yeah and so yeah, and so the journey was interesting. You know, I was the then a high school intern, then I was basically the version of Ben's job. Mm-hmm. Was I was kind of the student ministry version of that job. And then moved to college, pastor, and did campus ministry for about four or five years, four years, I think, which was great. Um, COVID kind of mm. made a pivot happen recently. And so now the pastor of college and young adult, which has also been really cool and encouraging to create a space and a home for people who are looking for a home. Like, it's great. But yeah, the ordination process took a little minute, (laughs) but it's a blessing to be a pastor. I don't know how many people describe it this way, but to be a pastor at a church takes a church believing in you 
to be able to do that, especially a calling pastor in regards to like your ordination. And so Central and I have had a relationship now for nine years, whether some of them knew it or not. <laughs> like, so there's that reality. Most of the young kids knew mm-hmm. uh, and some didn't. But it is a body, a family that says, no, we want you to help lead yeah. part of our family. And I, I don't take that lightly or for granted. I think it's a wonderful and beautiful opportunity to be able to do that. And no shade to anybody else. I think I'm one of the most important jobs. And for them to trust me in that, I think it's, I guess, uh, it's humbling. Yeah. yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, you're just embodying what you talked about at the beginning of your story. You're embodying that felt presence of Jesus. You know, those people are just being cared for by you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we dig too much into the why behind your job and sort of what that looks like, I want to ask, what has it been like to sort of see this process actually turn into something that people can listen to? Also, you can listen to Cole's podcast, Everyday Hospitality, available yeah. where all good podcasts yeah. <laughs> can be subscribed to. Are we going to bring back um, plugging uh, Randy Mayfield's stuff, yeah. too? And you can check out Randy Mayfield's uh, book, One Life. Uh, shout out to Randy. Um, uh, yeah. I'll frame it this way. COVID has been a dream killer for a lot of people mm. it really has and it's been really hard and i'm not nobody plays that down like it it's it's just the case you know some of us experienced it more than others and it's been a lot and i think what's been interesting through that is you kind of went on this emotional roller coaster emotional journey of basically like reading job and ecclesiastes i read this week <laughs> today it was like me being depressed, me reading Ecclesiastes, me being depressed biblically. <laughs> like that was, we just kind of like, we ebb and flow in this. And I think there was a lot of, oh man, what is life going to be like? What are we going to do? And there was a moment last year where I was coming out of that, oh, this is the worst and going, all right, what can we do? You know, what are, what are the things that we do? And I've been doing a podcast for a while. I did a podcast really just to kind of create an outlet to get more Hospitality to me has been one of the most transformative experiences in my life. And I think the Bible has a lot to say about hospitality. At some point, you'll probably hear me preach, teach, whatever on it, because it's just so integral to what I think is ministry. But what was interesting is I just love, I love that medium of a podcast. I love that. But the year was, what can we do? Like, what are the things that we can do? And so one of the ideas was to throw out artwork on the street, right? right? That we did, we did the stations of the cross. And I'm thinking, A, I'm thinking there's no way I could get this done. Jared helped me build a lot of them, actually designed them so I could build them, which was probably the most important part of it. Cause otherwise it'd be like weird, like MC Escher type of build. But, but we put them out there and we put QR codes and people walked around and saw them and interacted with them. And it was incredible. It was just an idea, right? I didn't do the art. I bought it from somebody else. It was just really great. And so, so we just kept having these idea wins, right? Like these things that were happening and, and podcast was another idea of going, man, this, we're asking why a lot. And I think in good ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think why is probably one of the most important questions that we can ask. And I think for a lot of folks, especially in conversations about creating belonging and different things like that, knowing why we do something, it matters so much. Yeah. And this podcast in particular, especially the first season, has been about that. It's been about why do we do what we do? 
first of all, and some of it is introducing people you never even met before uh, or even didn't even know they worked here, uh, didn't even know what they did. And there's that. There's a truth to that. And I think there's important to get that out. But also it's, it's why, you know, what do we exist for? Why are we a church? Right. Like, what do we do? And I think we get to answer that. And I think Clay set that off really well in the beginning, yep. saying this is what we are. I appreciate his leadership so much because he really is just casting this vision of belonging and, and who we are as a church and where we're going, what we're doing. And so, and each of our leaders are just awesome. I think we're a very lucky church in mm. regards to our leadership. Yeah. So this podcast was that way. It's new for us. We don't have <laughs> podcasts necessarily. We have a, a sermon podcast. Shout out, uh, shameless plug, where all podcasts are found. You can go <laughs> check Clay's sermons out. Honestly, that's been the church's MO, not just ours, but most churches' MO yes. is we're going to send out basically the sermons to the, to the right. world, which is awesome. I mean, because we were doing it beforehand with like CDs or, or yes. tapes or whatever, yeah. right? That was this thing. Shout uh, out to Tape Ministries. Yeah, shout out to Tape Ministries. I like how you talked about those early other forms of media. You go all the way back to, you know, the Gutenberg uh, printing yeah. press and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the first thing that was used on that printing press was the Bible. One of the great things about Christianity is it's a religion of the book, right? It's all about how to speak that message and using the different types of mediums that are available and using them effectively to the people that you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. We get the opportunity to do that. I think people don't understand. I mean, we're about to go on this super good tangent, <laughs> but I don't think people understand how just incredible our scriptures are, mm. how it's been used, how it's helped people learn to read um, yeah. because it's been used to help people to teach people to read how transformative it's been to create societies that are just that are whatever like sometimes we don't think about the beauty in that and that is a medium like that is a yes. means and so the hope was that this could be a medium for people to engage a little bit deeper in especially for those of us who felt especially in this season a bit disconnected and separate and I was hoping that we could create something that could reach people uh, where they are. Yeah, they could share it. Cool. But it is very in-house in some sense. Like it's not one of those, you know, we're, we're not throwing it out to the <laughs> masses to go, all right, now we need 14 million followers and da da da, da. Like, I mean, it'd be great if we got that. Be dope. Yeah, shameless plug for 14 million followers. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, hit me up. Um, if you don't know, we'll he has... We'll get some sponsorships yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, Ronaldo has like a bajillion followers. He just hit like a billion, I think. Yeah. So that was the vision behind this. And I'm grateful for the leadership of our church that had faith in doing something like this. Yes. Uh, I'm all about trying new stuff. Mm -hmm. That's really nerve wracking for some people. And I completely understand that. Um, <laughs> and I'm grateful that we can do that. Cause I think, I think the millennial generation and the Z gen and even the next one, the Y, no. Uh, we're not sure yet. Alpha. <laughs> Alpha. Alpha, maybe. Uh, that's what it is. Whatever generations mean. These are the means in which they live in. We can hate on TikTok all we want, but there is a lot of people on TikTok. Yes. Uh, I'm actually meeting with a, a kid in the city who is a Christian TikTok influencer. Mm -hmm. So he's leading Bible studies and stuff like that on TikTok. That's his means. And then somebody asked if I would help walk with him and mentor him through doing this well, actually bridge building yeah. in those audiences because it can be such a vitriol, like hard yes. place to be. And I'm like, absolutely, let's do this. I was like, I'm not going to do a TikTok because that's embarrassing for a 34-year-old man to do. But yeah. Uh, 
Well, before we transition into the job questions and really get to that, I do want to get some recommendations. Sometimes we've asked people, you know, what Google search history would tell us about them or targeted ads. But I really feel like for Cole, the questions are either something coffee related or what are the last three podcasts you listen to? So you can take your pick there or you can answer both, you know, if you really feel like sharing. Yeah. I mean, the coffee's quick. Uh, Keurig, right? Uh, I really like Folgers. Uh, no. Oh, no. Please don't do that to me. Uh, Folgers, we will take your sponsorship Folgers. if you. It's Folgers in your cup. I mean, those, but I tell you what, those commercials were iconic. They were oh, Best part of waking up. Right? Right. Somebody was making the money. Anyways, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, I have discovered the beauty in buying bulk. Yeah. So I have been buying five pounds of coffee oh. each time. So Coma Coffee down the road from us is a great coffee joint. They have good coffee. And then Caldi's, of course, I've been ordering by the truckloads. So <laughs> you'll always find me with some sort of coffee contraption because, mm-hmm. you know, i got to make it happen. So, right. But also don't hear that I'm like a snob to some extent because I do use Splenda uh, and sometimes creamer. So <laughs> I'm not the purist that others are. So I'll stop talking about coffee. Um, so podcasts, there are a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. I think with podcasts, just like any other social media stuff, discernment is really important. If you're going to yeah. hear anything about podcasts or anything about your engagement of social anything, mm-hmm. discernment is really important. Know what you can listen to and what you can't listen to because it will influence you in some capacity. Yeah. Obviously, it's what they're trying to do. And so the fun ones I listen to are soccer ones. <laughs> so Raj and them, men and blazers, <laughs> you don't probably need to listen to that one. But I love soccer now. I didn't back in the day, but. Shout out to Nathan Burgess for making me love soccer. Are you going to get tickets for St. Louis Soccer Club? Yeah, I may or may not have already been in talks with some folks <laughs> nice. about the St. Louis City SC. Although, if they're listening to this, which they won't be, <laughs> um, please get some gear out because it, right now it's not quite up to par. But, yeah, so that's kind of fun time listening. Um, I love storytelling. I really love <laughs> – this is funny. I love, like, fairy tales – told in kind of modern ways yeah. or like campfire stories right nice. so lore is a really good one that i enjoy oh mythical good so, mythical morning good mythical morning no that's a that's a show also not recommended but hilarious yeah anyways it, it, it go through like different stories um you'll learn things like the story of zeus and stuff yeah. like that so once again discernment and then the rise and fall of Marcel recently has been kind of this cultural thing. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of feels about it, but there are feels about it for a reason. And so it actually it bears talking about one of our reading groups coming up. We're going to go through Cosper's, one of his books, but then part oh, wow. of it's also going to talk about the Marcel podcast too, cool. which is exciting. So if you want to talk more about that, holler. <laughs> But that one, Holy Post is a good one. I love Phil Vischer, Baker of VeggieTales guy. <laughs> you know, some podcasts make people angry, some don't. Just welcome to the social media mediums, right? Everything on the internet. Yeah, everything on the internet is either like, well, everybody hates something. Yes. Everybody hates something you love on the internet. So, mm. anyways. I don't know if you've ever heard of how he created Bob the Tomato, but Bob the Tomato is actually kind of like his personality. Oh, yeah. Where he says he wants to be like Mr. Rogers, but like Mr. Rogers if he was a jerk. (laughs) In the kindest way possible. That sounds kind of weird. Yeah. Those are a few. I listen to 
podcasts most days or audiobooks. I really yes. love audiobooks. So yeah. So college young adults, obviously college ministry looks very different at the moment <laughs> than it has. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about what that ministry looks like. What does the college portion look like? as a campus minister and working with universities and then what does it look like to do young adult ministry here at central? Yeah. You know, we're learning a lot. College ministry is interesting at this point in general, because the campuses have been more open, which is great. There are still some restrictions, which is fine. I mean, they're just trying to take care of the people they have. And I really appreciate that. And so we're kind of pivoting to some extent, instead of being like a campus ministry that is the place where you go, we're actually trying to drive people to the church and to be resources nice. to the campus. So in a couple of weeks, we start in October, I don't know when this release, October 13th of this year, we are doing a class with John Anazu going through his book, Uncommon Ground. And it's a moment for us to resource the university. So they're coming to get free food. You know, food's always going to matter for college students <laughs> in general. So you just create a place and avenue for free food and you got it. But you have food and then you go have this Q&A conversation with John and us and talk through this book. So we're going to do that as much as possible. Partner with campus ministries, not compete. And I think that's huge. Yes. One of the things I learned on campus was that we compete way too much for people. The population where I was at, at WashU, it seemed to be like 2.5% of the population was Christian and everybody was fighting over that 2.5%. And at the end of the day, it's like, actually, how can we help each other? How can we resource each other? Yeah, so what we're doing, uh, I still am involved on campus in the sense of I do stuff with interfaith committee. I'll speak on campus occasionally at different campus ministries. I'm going to like in a couple of weeks to another one. I get asked to do retreats and stuff there. And so we're still a relationship with the campus, but trying to resource it just as much as anything else. I always said when I took that job, I said, I want to be a pastor to Washington University. Not just one at, but like two, wash you. Mm -hmm. And I said that when they transitioned me into that role. And I think this is still a way that we can do that and stay true to that. Young adult ministry is interesting because in many ways we're trying to grow people up to be a part of the greater church and be able to rub shoulders with folks of all ages. And that could be really difficult with just age and stage of it all. Mm -hmm. The transition from college graduate to life after college can be a really brutal one. Yeah. It can be really lonely and scary. And I think Central is in a prime place to be able to be a home for people like that. I remember when Centene built their huge thing down the road, I just kept saying, man, I hope they come to Central because I feel like they could find a home here. Mm -hmm. Feel like we could take care of people well. One of the pros we have is we have folks who've been walking with Jesus for 60 years. Yes. Like there's not a lot of places that can say that yeah. and utilize that as a resource. Sometimes young people have to get like coaxed into that. Usually they think that's not cool, but when you're kind of on your own and you need people, it's a great resource and a beautiful one to have. Just like anything else, we do a lot of hangout. We have a Sunday school. I love our Sunday school. We're called Young Adult and Friends currently. We're thinking <laughs> about a name change, uh, obviously, but we have folks who come that aren't kind of in the quote young adult bracket, mainly because we're trying to create a family, not a subset necessarily. And I'm really appreciative of them coming because they get to kind of teach us more and help learn with us reading groups and all sorts of stuff. But our big thing is our mission of connect, grow, serve some of the values we have here. And I've taken those to heart and kind of like structured our ministry around that. So I have a team that is all about connection and hospitality and trying to get people together. 
have a team that's all about what does it look like to grow together? What ways can we get people, put them in front of places of growth? And then we have serve. And I actually, I have the privilege of being on the emissions team with Ben and Jen and Kate and whoever is coming next with us. And we also get to help resource people to go serve our community, which is a huge thing for our people, for our young adult population, is they want to know, cool, cool, the gospel, great, great, what do I do with it? Uh, (laughs) And we get to do that. We get to put feet on it, hands and feet. So that's what we do. You know, we're connecting, growing, serving in that. We're finding the identity of who they are. We're finding where they belong and what they're supposed to do. And those are the three questions that everybody's asking (laughs) anyways is – who am I? Who are my friends? <laughs> what is my family? And what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> so those are the questions we're trying to help walk alongside them to answer, to yes. be present in it and answer it. So hopefully that gives you a little glimpse. Once again, big picture vision guy. So yeah. if you want the details of that, uh, <laughs> good come luck. hang out with him. Come hang out right, and yes. I might drop some occasionally. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So in the time that you've been here at Central, what has encouraged you and what excites you about the future here at Central? You know, I think the most encouraging thing for me has been the times in which we've rallied around one another in times of hardship Mm. and in times of need. And there's been a fair amount of them over the years, but I also like even just like current ones with COVID and one of the coolest things was to watch how the ministry was being created to take care of one another. Like part of Charles' job was just to create spaces where people are cared for, which I think is really, really cool. So I found that to be really great. There's an encouragement and diversity that we're doing. We're trying to reach folks and trying to be with folks who, who might not think the same, be the same, act the same. Uh, we really are a family, even in our differences, which has growing pains for everybody. But I, th- I think it's good that we pursue that. I don't know, man. There, there's just some air about what's right now. That there are people just excited about what we're doing and who we are. Yeah. And that, that encourages me. And so what was the other part of that question, though? What excites you about the future? Oh, what excites you about the future? Man, <laughs> this might sound really stressful for everyone else because we don't know. It's not mapped out. We as human beings love to map out every detail of the future. But like this new abnormal, normal, weird thing that we are in, right, is a chance for like God to lead in front of us opposed Mm -hmm. to us make plans and him laugh. And it it gives us a chance to go, all right, God, what are you doing here? What are you trying to do in the midst of us? What are you changing in us? What what work are you going to do? To me, that's terrifying, but also really takes the burden off to some extent as well. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, as someone who also likes to see us try new things, I think the not knowing can be scary, but it's also essentially one big opportunity because things are going to unfold in unexpected ways. And each one of those you could see as a setback or a challenge or a thing we have to overcome, but it's also a new way to do ministry and it's a new way to reach people and it's a new way to connect with them. So yeah, it's a very exciting thing. I think COVID has been interesting in that respect because I think to your point earlier, it was really hard at the beginning to feel like it was a little bit of a dream crusher, all of these things that we can't do. And you know, 
But to see people find ways through that mm-hmm. and overcome it and continue to do ministry and continue to grow, that's been great to see. Yeah. Yep. The beauty and yeah. resiliency is I'm very into like the common beauty of things because if I think too much of big grandiose things, I start to feel guilty and <laughs> it never really lives up to those standards. But like just the fight that I've seen people have in a lot of different ways, the resiliency, watching people do their thing, you know, being who they are. I just thought it was, I just, it's, it's really encouraging. And there's, there is just a sense of collaboration and community here that has probably been felt before. I've only been here nine years. And honestly, in the drop of a hat for 175 of our church's years. But yeah, it's just encouraging to see where we're going. Well, it's a testament that God is actually at work, you know, yeah. that resiliency, because all the data should show that this isn't going to work. <laughs> but there actually is a miracle that God actually is at work, that yeah. he is extending that grace. Yeah. So. yeah. so should we do lightning round of Ted Lasso quotes? Oh, man. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I had to uh, work it in somewhere. Be so good. Be a goldfish. <laughs> uh, happiest animal is a goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's another one of those discernment moments. <laughs> Be discerning and watching things. Well, it's been really fun Yeah. to walk through this season with you yeah. and to work on this project alongside you. And Matt, you got drug along. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I had fun being drug along. <laughs> It was good. It was a good group, and it was fun to see all of the interviews unfold. Yep. So thank you for being the the capstone, the final episode, and our first, hopefully not last, season. It's good to be here. Glad to do it. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to be together. If you want to find out more about Central Prez, uh, please go to our website at centralprez.com or find us on all the social media things with the handle at CPCSTL. Join us next time as we continue to learn and grow together uh, into the family of God. Blessings, friends.